You're listening to Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football. The one and only podcast dedicated to providing analysis, advice, and entertainment for salary cap fantasy football players. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Kennedy and Sean McGuire. Well, gather around, everybody. It is time once again for the Steel Salary Cap Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Tim Kennedy. I'm here with Sean McGuire. Hello. You can find me at Steel Pod. And you can find me at Steel Pod Sean. And we're joined today by our good friend, the number one seed in our league, Justin Bodie. How you hey doing, guys. Justin? Good. How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, good. Justin, as the number one seed in our league, you... Uh, you had a first round bye, so you've got your first playoff game coming up this week, right? I do, and uh, my team is starting to look like it has a few cracks right at the worst time. All three of my running backs are possibly not playing this week, so um, I've got to look at into other lineups, maybe certain run and shoot or extra wide receivers or something like that, because so I've got um, McCaffrey, Jones, and Mostert all are questionable, mm. doubtful. Must so be fun. nice. Being in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, Sean, you're, uh, you you were in the playoffs. I was. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I faced a guy named uh, I think it's I don't know maybe you've heard of him. His last name is Henry. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, we we forecasted that Derrick Henry would be a monster in the playoffs. No, I know. I couldn't stop it. It's right. Just because <laughs> you know it's coming doesn't mean you can stop it. Right. He's uh, he's going to be league winner for a lot of people, I'm afraid. Yeah. Or, or I'm happy to say it like, depends on if you have him on your team, I guess. Look, I'm really ho- at this point, I'm hoping that he is a league winner and I'm hoping Justin's team falls apart because I will. I, sorry, Justin, because I will have uh, my draft pick will be two spots better. So I'm OK with that. Wow. Always self-interest first. Well, I say friendship only goes so far, but I'm friends with all these guys. So, you know, what I mean. I got to pick a favorite. I might as well be self-interested, right? right. I'd rather be drafting late anyway, because then I can let you pick, take the bus and I'll get the better guy for cheaper salary drafting mm-hmm. him later anyway. So I don't mind drafting 12. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. All right. We're going to jump into our topic here in just a second. Before we get started, though, we want to encourage you to check out our Facebook group called The Steel Pod. It's a growing forum where you can discuss all things franchise football which is what we like to call the dynasty salary cap format. There's trade talk, roster management discussion, and what I'm already looking forward to since I missed the playoffs, rookie analysis. So check that out when you have a minute. All right, today we're gonna be talking about guys that surprised us this year, either in good or bad ways, and whether we think that that trend will continue in 2021. So, so we're just going to take turns throwing out names. Sean, do you have a name you can throw out first for us? Uh, sure. Um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Matt Ryan. Um, so uh, Matt Ryan, uh, I didn't realize exactly how bad he's been. He is currently the in a point per game basis. He's quarterback twenty three. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's below Carson Wentz, 
who seem everybody's talking about how Carson Wentz is a disaster. Uh, you, you have a better chance of winning with, with him over Matt Ryan. Well, not not currently, but yeah, it's true because he's actually playing. But uh, his stats are basically in this on a per game basis indistinguishable from Mitch Trubisky. So yeah, so this is uh, he's not having a good year. Um, I'm going to say on the front end, I never really liked him. So I, this isn't an earth shot. If I'm trying to pick something that's really surprising, I would have gone with Herbert. But um, I think we're going to talk about the rookie class in the future. So, right. um, but I would never have expected a guy that's throwing passes to, to Calvin Ridley and Julio to be this bad, uh, especially because it's not as if, you know, the receivers are non-productive. Calvin Ridley's having a good year at least. So what happened? Well, so what happened is, let's see here. He's got, he still has talent at wide receiver. I, I don't think anybody's saying Julio is washed. Calvin Ridley is definitely an emerging star. Um, the, as best as I can figure, the problem for him is coming out of camp, the Falcons had the oldest roster in the NFL. So as, as a group, they're not developing, they're fading. And I, I, I think quarterback's the most important position, but I think it's also the one position where you can say is affected by these kind of macro factors that are not, you know, a, a receiver, you can say that receiver is affected by the quarterback or a running back might be affected by the offensive line, right? Um, and I just, quarterback is, touches on everything. So I think you're just, you're looking at, overall factors like the age of the team and i think that that's part of it i think the team itself is just kind of fading and i don't see how this is going to make things any better for him um so 2021 you're seeing i would not expect a rebound i would be shocked because this the cap situation is not good he's like 36 now so i'm thinking why is he not philip rivers for the next three four years wherever he's at i don't know what do you guys think yeah i mean i I think, you know, as a backup, sure, but I would not want to have him be the face of my, you know, starting lineup every week. I'd be nervous for a lot of the reasons you're saying, Sean. Bodie, you got a, you got a name to throw out? Well, I guess I've kind of got the opposite uh, thing going on the quarterbacks. My surprise was Ryan Tannehill. Now, I know he kind of came on the end of last year and looked good, but and he's had some moments in Miami, but he'd been up and down, and I kind of always viewed him as kind of the, QB two type guy that I was not going to draft as my number one quarterback. Um, I thought, you know, with all the run heavy scripts with, uh, you know, they, they like to run the ball there in Tennessee that he would probably not put up big numbers, kind of like a Kirk cousins type situation where you couldn't count on him. And right. I look at, you know, he's QB nine um, so far this year. And like I say, you know, he, when I also looked back at the average draft position, because I'm in a redraft league of where these guys rank, and I kind of print that out before each season, he was actually ranked as QB 19 coming into the season. And so yeah. for him to kind of come up and, you know, such as, as much as they do run the ball, but you have people like A.J. Brown coming on, he's getting some targets, he's been more reliable than I thought. And so the question is, is he now one of those guys that, you know, is not an elite one of your top quarterbacks, but you could get as a lower tier QB one going forward. And that's kind of what I'm wondering. I think, you know, possibly yes, you know, he, he'll perform the guys like Roethlisberger, Stafford, Wentz, Breeze, 
Brady, Ryan, all those guys went before him in the draft. And so far year to date, he's outperforming all of them. And we'll, you know, do you get, what do you guys think? Can he continue that next year or is he just having a nice stretch? Well, I'm, I'm testing my memory here and I have a terrible memory, but I seem to remember talking about Tannehill before the season started and he was, um, he finished last year as like the QB four in certain categories, maybe overall, but I know I was, I was, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know the answer, you know, what it was is that it was like at, at a certain point, um, I think he took over there in, it's well in Tennessee. Left. Yeah. Cause he was originally, they started with Mariota and when, once he, once he came in, he was like quarter, he was very high. Cause I think we featured him on like a, like an underrated players uh, podcast is I think we were, were, at least for me, I wouldn't say I was surprised by this. I would say for me, I, I wouldn't say I expected it, but it was within the range of, I thought he could do just because he he was so efficient last year. Yeah. He looked good at the end of last year. And the question was, did he get hot for 10 games? Because a lot of quarterbacks have done that, right? They, have a nice little stretch, but what could he sustain it over the whole season? And he's an answer so far has been yes. So the question then, of course, is does he do it again next year? And you think so, right, Bodie? Well, I mean, you know, look at some of the, you know, with his receivers now, you know, AJ Brown is obviously kind of establishing himself and Corey Davis has seen a bit of resurgence. He's still a little erratic. And, you know, John U. Smith, he's got some targets there. And as long as you know, they run the ball like they do. It's going to probably open up the play action passing game for him and maybe he can continue to do it. So I don't see why not. Yeah. I don't see anything changing for him. I think Corey Davis has done enough to get paid. They have money in Tennessee. They're not up against the cap. So I think they're going to probably return with the same offense next year. And, uh, and so I don't see any reason why he can't continue to be basically borderline QB one. And he's a guy, I mean, he's got one of those names where people are, I think, still undervalue him, even though he's had a couple of good seasons here. Yeah, no, I think it's something you you could get. What's that? They remember him in Miami and don't trust him, right? Even though he's now had a couple of years. And so you could probably get him at a discount versus the other bigger names where people just hear the name, expect that player to be good. So. All right. The first name I'm going to bring up is Tyreek Hill. Now he wasn't super surprising. I think most people going into the season uh, would have pegged him as a wide receiver one, you know, a top 12 receiver. The reason that he's surprising for me this year is he's been super consistent in the past. You know, he might get end up the uh, the end of the season as a wide receiver one, but you might have to suffer through a few games where he's giving you single digits uh, and then he'll have those blow-up games. He's just been steady Eddie this season. Um, the six of the first seven games this season, he scored between 13 and 19 points per game and half PPR. The five of the last six games here, he's been over 20 points per game. Um, and that includes a 50-point performance uh, in week 12 against Tampa. So the surprising part for me with Tyreek is just how consistent he's been. So is that his, who he's going to be going forward? I, I, I want to defer to Justin on this because Justin's had him for a long time. I mean, my only concerns with Tyreek has always been that I, I feel like he's maybe a ticking time bomb and is he, he's never been on his talent. So it's, is he a guy that is, you know, the, 
top wide receiver in the league one year and the next year is out of the league. So that's, that's the only the only concern I've ever had about that guy. Justin, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of biased because I got him, you know, his rookie year at the league minimum salary, I'll point out. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's been a favorite of mine. No, I, I think he's one of those guys. He doesn't necessarily get the targets, so he's not – I mean, he gets to get a lot of targets. It's not only targets. He's more of a, a quick strike, right? He might only have three catches, but usually one of them is a 40-yard touchdown. And I feel like it's been that way for quite a while. I mean, last year he was a little bit down. He had that, like, did clavicle injury in week one and had some in and out of the lineup a few times. So last year was a little less consistent. But, no, I, I mean, I, I had him as my number one receiver, I guess. Um, number one overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah. So you're not surprised. So, I'm so, not surprised. Put him in that offense with Mahomes and all the other weapons. Like, there's, they can't just focus on him like they could somewhere else. You know, with Kelsey over the middle and and the run game they've got. So he's he's just every time he touches the ball, he might score. He's just that kind of guy. So in every other offense, a player like Terry Kill would be a player that would be a, like a boomer bust kind of player, like Deshaun Jackson was. The difference is that offense is it, it's totally unique in that that's the only offense I, I can think of where you pretty much can bank on some 40 yard touchdown every single week. And I don't see that changing for, for a while. Who's your next cash on? I'm going to throw out a, a, <clears throat> I give you a negative surprise. I'm going to give you a positive surprise. Um, I'm going to throw out Miles Gaskin. Um, so this is a guy that I was aware of. Uh, he was a seventh rounder um, last year's draft. Um, so nothing special. Uh, we talked about a bunch of different running backs in Miami in the offseason. I remember we talked about Brita. We talked about Howard. We didn't really talk about Miles Gaskin. And uh, he basically uh, became a starter a few weeks into the season. And uh, since that point, he has been the RB18, which is a middle-of-the-road RB2. Um, <clears throat> if you were playing full full point PPR, he'd be RB15, so almost at RB1. And I think that's that's been a surprise. I didn't expect that. I thought he was probably too small and not fat, combination of not being really big and not being really fast. But... Uh, he has kind of been their bell cow guy uh, for several weeks now. And uh, uh, for me, the question is, is, you know, Dolphins still have a lot of draft capital coming up. Is there a chance that they don't use a high pick on a, on a running back? Because it, it feels like they, they, they really like him. And I don't know how enduring that is. I don't, what do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, he's come on and been very good. I mean, question is he has missed some time and you alluded to his size are they worried that um you know can can they count on him throughout the season i guess is he durable enough to handle the full load they want to bring in at least another guy to share the load with them would be my concern yeah yeah i think i think uh justin nailed it on the head there i think they will draft somebody or bring somebody else in he'll get some company in that backfield next year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to replace him, it may just be to be a one, a one B type type of thing, but you never know. I think that it's likely they want some more depth there. Right. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, that's kind of my current thought is that there, I, I don't think they necessarily want him to get 20 carries a week. Um, but I do think that there's a, uh, he's 
carved out a role on that team. Um, when I watch him play, I have watched him. I have gone out of my way to watch him. Um, you know, he 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 seems to be shifty and and find holes where they are there. I don't think the Dolphins' off, offensive line is all that great yet. Um, so I think some of that, um, some of his productivity could in, improve once they have, uh, I think, a better line. But again, I do not see him being an every down back. I, I just don't think he's. He's he's not James Robinson who comes in, gets every carry, and stays healthy. And I think that that's usually when guys get dinged, um, they find they find a partner the next year. The Dolphins did spend a lot of draft picks on their line this past year, so they they might coalesce into a pretty decent group. No, I, yeah, I think it's there. I just don't. I mean, I just don't. When I'm when I'm watching them play, I'm not seeing big giant holes. I think I think it takes sometimes it takes a while to to develop. Bodie, who do you got? It's another name you got. Well, I'll stick at the same position as Sean with running backs. I, I threw Leonard Fournette out there. Now, I'm not a guy that was a big Leonard Fournette believer coming into this year, but he did have his best season last year, rushed for over 1,000 yards, not real high touchdown. But So I thought, you know, he'd be a mediocre number two back this year. Did I think he would be cut in the preseason and then, you know, picked up by Tampa and didn't really do a lot there? He had one flash with a nice run at one point but like against the Vikings last week he was a healthy scratch they deactivated him and started LaShawn McCoy so what do you think is he is this the new norm for him is he more or less relegated to this or is he going to get another chance so when I think about Fournette I would say I was um I I, I never really liked him and most but for very different reasons I, I just saw him as a guy who had had nice stats last year because he didn't have the foot and ankle problems that he had had every other year. And I just kind of expected that that would come back, you know, and this year it hasn't been health. It just has been, you know, situation and maybe people, I don't know him personally. And so I'm not going to say anything like that, but, but you, it makes you wonder if that he is, you know, just not agreeable and people, you know, are not going to cut him any favors. The only times he got any decent clock this year was was when when Ronald Jones would do something wrong. He would fumble and then they'd put in Fournette and then Fournette would be underwhelming. And then, you know, the next game, they'd give the ball back to Jones just to see what he could do with it. And he's just been much more productive. Yeah, and Jones kind of stepped up, right? I mean, that's part of it because at the beginning of the season, they were going back and forth. And I remember one of the first games Jones fumbled and the first thing Fournette did was rip off like a 40 yard TD as a Jones owner in my league. I was a little worried about that, but then I think Fournette did get nicked up and Jones kind of seized the job from that point. So the coach basically, I think has just decided that he likes Jones more than Fournette. Fournette's not going to be back in that team next year. I don't, you know, so where, where does he go and what, what's, what kind of role does he have? I don't see him, anybody giving him a chance to be a bell cow back. Maybe they pair him with Gaskin in Miami next year. <laughs> I mean, actually that would not be a terrible fit as a Gaskin owner. I'd be excited about that. Cause actually, cause I don't like Fournette that much and I, he's probably going get, to get, get injured anyway. So that'd be a good pairing for me, but. I'm going to bring up a, another running back that I'm disappointed in. And it, <laughs> I'm going to say Kareem Hunt. And you might say disappointed, right? Uh, you you got to be I, 
I was going to put him on my list as a happy surprise, though. So. I was so he he actually was on. I deleted it when I saw that you were doing it because I was like, he for me was like, I can't, could not have foreseen that he would be like what RB six, RB seven, depending on your scoring system. No, I get it, but I also know. Uh, I think you guys are saying that because you didn't have him on your roster with choices at running back. So here's here's why he was frustrating for me. I had a pretty nice stable of running backs of Aaron Jones, um, Kareem Hunt. James Conner and Kenyon Drake all on my team. Mm. So I'm trying to play matchups. I got to figure out which, which guy to start from week to week. Here's the problem with Hunt. He is currently the running back six overall uh, in half PPR, but I never knew when to start him. Over half of his clunker games where he scored less than 10 points came against bottom 10 defenses. So you, I had him in my lineup because it was a great matchup and he'd give me single digits. Like he'd turn around and have a really good game against like a top 10 defense like Washington or the Colts. No, I, I, I get that. Um, like I say, though, I, I am really impressed that Cleveland's able to support two backs at that high a level. Even I think that they're, <laughs> they're running well, but it's you don't know who it's going to be. I mean, Hunt is even ahead of Chubb in points this year and Chubb's having a good year. So... So, so, so let me ask you this question, Tim, and I think I know the answer, but you're comparing Hunt against the quality of the opponent. How, how is it, how, how does he compare to whether or not Chubb is in or out of the lineup? So he had five games with that I'll call clunkers this year where he scored less than 10 points. Uh, two of those came when Chubb was out of the lineup. So, Tim, I remember a lot was made when you traded for him. I believe you gave him a first-round rookie pick for him. Um, yeah. Was it after he was already suspended and the incident happened? And you said, hey, I believe in his talent. He'll come back. Do you, are you still thinking that? Or um, are you frustrated with him and you'll want to talk trade after this podcast? <laughs> I feel hey, like... Hey, we got we this trading moratorium here, and, and I'm in line in front of you anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, he <laughs> That actually is an interesting conversation because the conversation maybe becomes, you know, if you do have four backs that you might want to start, it probably is smart to talk trade um, so that you aren't making those decisions from week to week. If I had just rolled with Hunt all season long and I didn't have other options, I'd probably be pretty happy with him. You might have been in the playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll talk. You, you, let's talk, Bo. You can call me after the show. Okay. I'm, I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> uh, he, he just said something for a shot. <laughs> All right, fine. All right. You got another, uh, another surprise for us? Are you back to me? I think so. Okay, so let me, let me bring up a, an unhappy surprise again, and that is A.J. Green. We talked about Mr. Green this summer. I think the conclusion was based upon past production. You know, I felt that he was going to be productive when healthy, and when he's not healthy, you just don't put him in your lineup. So you're going to get uh, a, a lot of production on a per game basis at a minimum. Um, but he's getting 5.7 points per game. That is uh, wide receiver 72 and half point PPR. Uh, and it's like, well, is it the offense? What's the problem? Is it the offense? Well, uh, it's... Boyd and Higgins have both been far more productive. Boyd is 17th in targets and is 20th in points. Higgins is 24th in the league in targets, 25th in points. 
Green is 30th in targets, 72nd in points. So the question is, uh, is he done? Yeah, I agree. I kind of had him as a I did, not a guy I wanted this year either, frankly. I mean, after sitting out all of last year and half of 2018 injury riddles, he just, I'm looking back at his last four or five years and there's only like, I guess the last four years is only one where you'd consider him like ooh, he had pretty good numbers that you'd want to play a lot. So I kind of, and he's 32. Is he going to get better at this point? I think he's maybe had too many injuries and not that he couldn't, you know, be a bi-week fill in or something, but he's not a guy I'd want to roll with on a weekly basis anymore. I will throw out um, Keenan Allen. Um, my, my thought coming into the season was, you know, moving on to a new quarterback. I didn't know how much confidence I had in Tyrod Taylor and I didn't think Justin Herbert was going to be this phenom. And, you know, he's had some in and out of the lineups with injuries over the years, at least the years I've had him. <laughs> and so I thought this is probably the year he's a, you know, lower tier wide receiver too. Like I still want him on my team, but I wouldn't think he's like an anchor of it. And I'm looking at him now, you know, he's um, wide receiver seven so far at this point in the season. And, you know, Justin Herbert coming in and lighting it up obviously helps. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's ahead of DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs and AJ Brown, these kind of guys. And, you know, looking back at his ADP coming into the season, he was wide receiver 21, which I thought was reasonable. Right. And so, you know, I always liked Keenan Allen. I just didn't think he was going to have this type of year. So for me, the thing I look at, think about Keenan Allen is, is I, I was kind of a little bit like Bodie. Uh, Tyrod Taylor didn't excite me. Uh, I mentioned some about Herbert, I think, earlier. Um, I was not a big believer in, in Mr. Herbert coming into this. I know I drafted him, but it was with much reluctance when I did. Um, the... Uh, the thing that is, I think, telling Herbert basically loves him. You know, he is leading. He's number one in the league in targets. Keenan Allen made the argument that he's the best quarter, or best receiver in the league. I think I can't remember how it had, had something with something he was tweeting about. But I think this year he's he's making the case. All right, I'm going to throw out a quarterback, Josh Allen. Um, Again, not not necessarily a surprise that he's you know in the in the top a number one quarterback in fantasy, but it's how he's doing it this year that's surprising me. Um, he already has ten more pass attempts, thirteen games than he had all of last year. He's already already got more than fifty completions or fifty more completions than he had last year. He's on pace for forty five hundred yards, which is almost a fifty percent increase over last season. Uh, 34 touchdowns uh, this year he's on pace four, which is a 75% increase over 2019. So my point being, um, he was doing it in the past with his legs. He is doing it much more this year with his arm. That's the thing that's surprising me. Uh, I'll just start it off and say, I think that is a trend that will continue. I think when I have watched him play this year, uh, he's looked really good. He looked like a real... NFL quarterback. So I think it continues. Yeah, I, I agree. And the big thing he did was his completion percentage, right? I mean, his, that was the knock on him coming out of college in his first couple of seasons. He was completing somewhere in the fifties, you know, mid fifties for completion percentage. And you put Stefan Diggs there who was reliable and open and his, 
you know, just growing as a quarterback and he's at 68%. Now he's like, that's really good. So yeah. if he can keep that up, there's no reason he can't be good for quite a while. And he can run on top of it. He's an athlete, you know, so. And he, um, he agrees with everything he, he's saying. He's basically a prototypical passing quarterback now. Efficient, productive, doesn't turn turn the ball over. Um, you, I think he, is he still have zero interceptions in the red zone? Maybe he's got one now. I'm not sure, but he, but he's been yeah, really productive. He's a goal line back. He just runs it in the red zone too. Well, but that's the thing is that I've been, I've been, now I, I have been a believer in Josh Allen, but not, not this way, not as a passer. I, I, I was expecting him to be this dual threat. He still is the dual threat. He is still essentially the goal line back uh, on that team. And on top of it, he is uh, becoming um, much, looking much more like an elite passer in the NFL. That is pretty remarkable and it's pretty sustainable let's say now he's going to be closer to what you thought of cam newton where cam had not only was a running beast but he had good passing stats for a number of years and the double threat so yeah yeah i mean his numbers his numbers are he's i mean physically he's very similar to cam um all right so is it my turn now are we one last guy sean yeah i got one last guy and this is a guy that i have to eat a little crow on because early in the year i think we talked about this as a trend or, or not trend and this is Logan Thomas. Um, so after he kind of had a couple of good games, we were kind of we had this conversation about is Logan Thomas, uh, you know, is he for real or not? And I think I, I think if you listen to the tape, you probably hear me say something like no. <laughs> oh, right? I remember well because I had just picked him up, and you were yeah. like, "Yeah, he's on his seventh team in seventh years. That's not a guy you need." To well, work so with. that's the thing. So he he's the tight end seven in half point PPR. So he started out hot, had a couple games down, <clears throat> but basically since Alex Smith became the starter, he is getting forty points or forty. It's not forty points. He's getting forty yards uh, a game. And he's got five total touchdowns. So that's pretty good. Um, his got an interesting history. So he is a total journeyman, right? He was drafted in 2014. He's played for six different teams, seven different stints, twice with the Lions. The Lions turned their, their uh, nose up at him twice. Interestingly enough, in 2016 alone, he had the Giants had 13 different transactions with them because they were bouncing in between the roster, the practice squad cut back on the practice squad cut, but you know, like he just bounced back and forth with the Giants, 13 different transactions. So this is not a guy that anybody has been high in anybody's radar. As I said, he was drafted in 2014 in the fourth round as the, as, as the sixth player at just at his position, right? Okay. Not, not overall. The other five all became regular starters years ago. Um, three of them are still starting in the league. I'm wondering if anybody can guess who they are. Oh, this is five, your... the five. The five that yeah, it's my question. The five that were drafted before Logan Thomas. And what year was he, he coming? 2014. In? This this is this is a, a a little bit. Remember, you know, you guys have heard the about the the five quarterbacks that were drafted before uh, Tom Brady or six or something. It's kind of like that, right? But just for Logan Thomas instead. What do you got? You got any guesses? Gosh, I'll give you a hint. One of them is a Viking, or was a Viking. Oh, Kyle Rudolph. Oh no, it was a Viking. Oh. I said is or was. Oh, well, I'll go with Kyle Rudolph. Is that is that the that right? Makes, 
That is not correct. Anybody, Justin, you got any guesses? Michael Pruitt. <laughs> That's a good guess. That's a good guess. All right. So here's the answer. Ready? Blake Bortles. That he doesn't play tight end. Number third, uh, taking number third overall. Johnny Menzel, taking number 22nd overall. Teddy Bridgewater, number 32nd. Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, was he yes. drafted as a QB? He was a drafted as a quarterback. Wow. <laughs> so I, I did trick it. So his first career completion was the longest in the NFL since Neil O'Donnell. He threw an 81-yard touchdown to Andre Ellington way back in 2014. So 2016, he changed his position to tight end. So he is, uh, he's still only 29 years old, which makes him just a year older than Jordan Aikens, who we talked about as an up-and-comer. Uh, and he started playing NFL tight end the same year as Hunter Henry. So people think of Hunter Henry as a desirable topic. Why not Logan Thomas? What do you guys think about Logan Thomas? Do you think he's here to stay? To me, he's one of those guys that, you know, situations right he can he can do or do all right but I, I would not invest in him long term you know i mean even as as good as he's done what has he got like four or five hundred yards and four or five touchdowns this year um there's a lot of guys have done that for a year and then faded back to obscurity so that's where i'm putting my money so let me try to make a a bit of a sales pitch because because justin did talk about kind of career stuff and I do think you do get these guys that kind of pop up and disappear he has been remarkably consistent this entire year in terms of how much he's being targeted and you know they still don't have a solid second receiver he is that solid second receiver so right I look at it and I think tight end 29 years old you can that can be the beginning of a run it doesn't always happen but you know guys came from unheralded, unheralded positions like, you know, George Kittle or like you might be talking about soon here, Tim, in terms of Robert Tanyan. And I just don't see spoiler the argument. Alert. Was that spoiler alert? Yeah. I don't see why not Logan Thomas. After two weeks, I was not sold. After 13 weeks, I'm kind of sold. I think that he is around to stay for the next couple of years, at least as long as... Alex Smith is quarterbacking the Washington football team, which I think is at least through next year. All right, Bodie, who's your last player? So sticking in with tight end, I, I threw Zach Ertz out there as a disappointment, right? So coming into the season, I was looking, he was tight end four in average draft position. Most people thought, you know, he's been steady for a long time. The Eagles, yeah, they have some young receivers, but they're not really proven. He's kind of security blanket for Wentz gets a lot of targets, very efficient with them, very solid. And, you know, he's had some injuries this year, which is part of it. Um, but he's actually way down at tight end 40. Now, like I said, he missed four or five games. And and the one risk with him, what you could say as well, maybe Dallas Goddard's going to steal a bunch of the targets. And, you know, Goddard's been all right, but he hasn't been like taking all the targets away. There's plenty, <laughs> plenty of opportunity to go around there. The fact is when Ertz has played, he hasn't been good. So I don't know, has he been nagging injuries or something or is it just the whole mess with you know their play calling and Wentz and that whole offense has the offensive line has been in shambles but you thought Ertz might be a solid reliable part of that and he hasn't been and I I just don't know why if he's hurt or if it's everything around him you know but he hasn't been the player I think we were used to seeing Sean you're an Ertz owner you probably paid more more attention to him than anybody uh, on here right now what do you think 
well, I would pay attention to him if I could find him. That's the thing. He's essentially invisible. He doesn't, he, he, he's not getting targeted. He's not getting catches. He's not playing. I can't see him playing well or, or playing poorly. The offense is a mess. The offensive line has been a disaster. Carson Wentz has been not getting any help, but also not good when he appears to have, you know, uh, you know, blocking for him and, and whatnot. So I, I don't, it is a bit of a head scratcher because he had so, so I uh, had so much volume before that. Um, I think that, uh, that it's, it's kind of hard to figure out where he went. Yeah. I think he might, I mean, he and, um, and Goddard both have contracts contracts through next year. So they both become free agents at the same time. He'll be 31. He's 30 now. Would you rather invest in him or Goddard at that point? You know, there's yeah. only so much going tight end and unless he rejuvenates himself next year, if they keep him, you're right. I mean, it's, it's been a mystery. Well, they're, they're, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, they're like $80 million over the cap. So, I mean, like, I think if I remember this from last week, they, they, they can save a bunch of money if they, if they part ways with them. Right. Well, for the last guy uh, in this show, I'm going to throw Robert Tanyan, uh, another tight end, obviously. Nice, <laughs> oh, sorry. Robert Tanyan. Did I say it wrong? The first Baby time? Kittle? Isn't that baby oh, Kittle, baby Kittle. That's Farhan's marketing. I'm in trade offers. At least. Right. And he was Kittle's roommate at some point in time. I heard. Same hairstyle. What's that bud? Same hairstyle, kind of funky hair. There's some pictures of them. Yeah. Is it like a, is it like a single white female thing where he, he's just, he's, he's dressing everything just like Kittle and, you know, wearing the same clothes and is it, is it really creepy? Please tell me it is. <laughs> No, he's he's kind of playing like Kittle lately. So yeah, I know. So uh, Tunyon started the year pretty strong. He didn't play in the first game, but weeks two through four, he uh, was the tight the tight end number one, um, largely on the back of a three touchdown game. Yeah, that, that's and, part of it. Yeah, uh, I think that came in week four, and then he had kind of a dip through the middle of the season, weeks five through nine or 10, you know, just kind of average or below average tight end numbers. But if you look at, this is what gives me hope that there might be something there uh, going forward into 2021 and beyond. He's gotten five targets in each of the last, uh, I think it's four games um, and also a touchdown in each of those four games. So I just like that he's getting consistent targets and scoring uh, it gives me hope that he might be able to do this into the future in 2021 and beyond. Yeah. What do you think about the fact that Jay Sternberger is there? I mean, they're neither one of them are old. I mean, uh, Tanyan's 26, Sternberger's 24. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a, what have you done for me lately kind of situation? I think. I think they're showing that Tanyan's getting the looks, right? They trust him or he's been productive. Why would they switch to Sternberger unless he shows something? I, I mean, as long as you've got Devonte Adams taking safety's attention and Aaron Jones threatening and Rogers throwing, Tanya can probably run free as a afterthought to the defense, and he's going to take advantage of that. The question is, do they keep all those guys around long term? Is you know what's their running game look like? Jones is a free agent. When do they move on from Rogers? Those kind of questions. But as long as this offense is intact, yeah, I'd take him. I think Tanyan's a guy that can have a, a, a several years where he's productive, basically as the C option on an elite offense, right? And um, 
when that offense stops being elite, I don't think he has, you know, the, the natural ability where he, he, he himself is, you know, going to be the story like a, like a kill or a Kelsey. But I think, I think if the offense is good enough, you can be, you know, uh, uh, you can be very productive as a, as a role player. Yeah. Unless he truly is baby kiddo. Could be. Well, Justin, uh, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Appreciate having you. My pleasure. Maybe we can talk again after I hoist the uh, cup at the end of the season with the championship, hopefully. Yeah, good luck in your game this week. Yeah. Yeah, I'll need it. Good luck finding a running back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, I hope you can feel the lineup. All right. So coming up on on Steel over the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a look at some trade scenarios for teams that are at different points on the salary cap spectrum. So maybe you're uh, cleaning out the basement uh, with or without the benefit of draft picks, or maybe you're stuck somewhere in the middle. We're gonna throw out some, uh, uh, some things you can be thinking about, how to move your team back towards the top. Uh, for now, go win semi-final you got them. Thank you for listening and until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Steel. Join our community on the Steel Pod Facebook group and follow us on Twitter at Steel Pod.